This episode of the Get Fast podcast is brought to you by Trivelo Coaching, where we help triathletes and cyclists like you train smarter to race faster. You are joined, as always, by your host, Australian Ironman champion, Jared Donnelly, and I am Jordan Donnelly. And first of all, welcome back to a brand new year of the podcast. Welcome to 2021. Uh, at the end of last year, we spoke about, we finished off the year by speaking about the biggest lessons that we learned. If you haven't listened to that podcast, go back and listen now. We spoke about some of the biggest lessons that helped us get through the year and move into this year. And today we are discussing our rules for 2021, six rules for 2021, how we want our athletes to be approaching 2021 and what you can do to make it a more successful year. But firstly, Dad, we are recording this on your birthday. So happy birthday. Thanks, George. I'm sure a lot of listeners will be saying happy birthday as well. Feels good to be 70, finally. <laughs> how is uh, how is your break and uh, how are you feeling for the start of the year? I'm so excited. It's, uh, it's a, a great period of, uh, of the year. January, besides being my birthday, I just love the holiday period. Um, the build up to Christmas and uh, the notion that you have more time to do things you want to do, um, whether it's relax, you know, read, catch up on stuff that you haven't had a chance to all year because you're so busy um, and focus a little bit on your on your fitness. Um, and hopefully if people took the, the uh, lessons going into our podcast into the holidays, they should come out of the other side of it in great shape. So let's talk about that. And that's how we want to start off the podcast. As always, we ask what's been catching your attention, what's caught your attention over this holiday period. Expand on that point. Well, um, that leads in as a segue beautifully because there's been a, a percentage, as I would have expected, who didn't heed the advice and have ended up, you know, catching up with their mates day after day after day and writing the same sessions day after day. And that's okay for a period. Um, but you will eventually um, get so fatigued that there's no differentiation between hard, easier, easy and endurance. Um, so, so that's really the thing that's grabbed my attention is there's still a percentage of people who just don't heed, heed the uh, advice and it's always the same. 90% of the people do it really well mm. and it just frustrates me that, that 10% of the people um, – just ignore it or I'm not sure what they're doing um, and it's the old excuse but yeah but I just caught up with a mate I hadn't seen for ages and he wanted to do this session but the easy thing is to to say I'm getting coached are you getting coached um, why don't you do my session and then tomorrow we can do your session that that might be harder when I'm ready to do a hard session it's so easy to have a discussion with someone who's actually just randomly picking days where they're going to ride hard or easy which when they're on holidays, they generally just ride hard every day. Um, and we really warned against that. And I suppose that's the thing that's just caught my attention, but albeit frustrating. Uh, but that's that's what happens every year. And I don't know how to change it. I don't know how many podcasts we have to do to, to get that message across. But you have to have a difference between what you're doing each day. And we did say you can ride longer. But it's, it's got to be at the, the zone that that we want, which is – the easier zone. So what's what's the problem with um, with doing that and people going down that path? What's why is it such a problem for you? Um, because it, it it just slows your progress. Um, it doesn't enhance it. That's the problem. Um, I see progression, and then during this period, I see um, people getting tired. 
So when they start the year exhausted and I already see people asking, I need a, I need some days off. They've overtrained. They've overtrained. Yeah. And, and that's where I get really frustrated is not only have you asked me, should I be doing more? I've given you the answer, but you've actually done the same sessions repeatedly without having any variation. And now you're exhausted. And, you know, this is the time when you're supposed to coming into the year really, you know, in, progressively improving um, and and ready to embrace, which is how I feel. I'm, you know, I'm really excited about um, my fitness level and, and where it's going to go. Um, I'm not exhausted. I'm I'm ready to do the hard sessions um, when they're when they're there. I can't wait for Saturday's bunch ride, where I can really ride with endurance and some intensity, because um, I've managed the week properly. And so, on the opposite spectrum, uh, something else we've been talking about is heart rate, and a lot of the athletes that you've seen progressing really well. Uh, one of the major things you've seen is that their heart rate has dropped for the same sessions. So you're seeing athletes complete the same sessions, the same power numbers, but with a heart rate five beats lower. Yeah, some great examples, even some FTP tests where some athletes have uh, recorded similar power or improved fractionally, yet their heart rate's way down, um, which shows the fitness level is, is, you know, is substantially better. And as we know, the heart's a muscle and Mm -hmm. uh, the more you're training that muscle, the, the more it can beat the blood um, out of out of it each beat, so therefore you're needing less beats to do the same activity. Mm. Um, so and that's something that's caught your attention, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, talking about heart rate has caught my attention a lot uh, for all these factors, and as we've said a lot in the podcast, a lot of uh, varying factors influence um, heart rate. And we were just talking off air about um, how much stress affects it, and you know maybe over this period people are less stressed because they're on holidays, and that contributes to um, having a lower heart rate as well as increased fitness. It, it could be a wide range of things but uh, I was recently looking into heart rate as well and resting heart rate and I was shocked I was looking at the maths of um, how many times your heart beats per day and I was shocked at the maths of this and how much a slight difference in resting heart rate influences the amount of um, beats uh, per day that that your heart does and the reason that shocked me as well is because I think cardiovascular disease is listed as worldwide the number one killer in the world uh, various forms of cardiovascular disease Um, and so our heart is such an important muscle and organ to um, keep healthy and the maths was something like if you have a resting heart rate of 50 which is really quite fit um, your heart will beat approximately 70,000 times per day whereas if you have a resting heart rate of 75 um, which isn't skyrocketing high. The average resting heart rate worldwide is 72. Yeah yeah that's 110,000 beats per day. So that's a whopping 40,000 beats per day difference. And so that just really shocked me going. Over a week, over a month, yeah, over, over a year. Over your lifetime, you know. Um, so the longevity of the heart muscle really, um, it can be a little bit frightening. And um, <laughs> I, don't, I didn't want to fall into the trap myself of uh, fear-mongering myself, but it just did shock me. And then I thought, well, what if, you know, people who are really fit, they're exercising so much that that it evens out, you know, because you're spending so much time at high intensity. And so I worked out the maths on that. But if you're spending two hours at heart rate of 160, it only adds another 12,000 beats per minute, uh, beats per day, something like that. So you're still 30,000 less than um, the person at 75. And that's at 75. If you are more unhealthy or um, carrying a little bit more weight and your resting heart rate is 85 or 90, it's going to be an extra 10, 20,000 beats per day and so um, for me that was just a really good reminder of heart health and why it's a good goal to get fitter and stay healthy um, and get that resting heart rate down 
Um, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know if that's if that's exactly what uh, the goal should be, but it was just a bit of a reminder for me that it ties into this stress factor as well, that um, our heart rate isn't just high or low due to fitness. Uh, it can be higher or lower in any given day or, or week due to stress, due to ex- external factors. So uh, that really just made me think looking at all the maths on that. Yeah, and look, as a as a 20-year-old and a 30-year-old, you know, it's it's almost insignificant in your thought process. But when you get to 50, 60, 70, those 30 years between 30 and 60, your heart could have pretty much had double the life that it should have had. And no wonder people get a heart attack at 50, 60, 70, because it's actually worked twice as hard as someone who's fit and healthy with a heart that's beating 20 to 30 beats per minute lower mm. each day. So, so what do you expect? Your heart, you know, and, and you're unfit as well. Mm. Um, you're carrying extra weight probably mm. to have a higher heart rate. Um, so it is, it is astounding how you can be so much more in charge of your eventual lifespan by just simply being fit and healthy from an early age all the way through. Mm. Um, and of course there's things like hereditary stress, you know, that hereditary you have no control over. Um, you know, we have a history, my dad died of a heart attack. So, you know, that's foremost in my mind as to stay healthy and fit is mm. I don't want to, he died at 67. It's, it's something, you know, that, that you just, think well I've only got five more years of my life left mm. um, if that if I'm following the history of my my parents mm-hmm. um, so that's that's something that really has become very obvious to me as I've reached my 50s and 60s um, how important it is that I stay fit and healthy and that I have a heart rate that is reasonably low so that I'm not wearing it out I would love to when we get uh, either Dr. Mitch or Dr. Harry back on the podcast um, to ask them these sorts of questions about the heart as well. I'd love to get more information on that. I think we'll do that this year. Um, but on that note, talking about heart rate and um, let's let's go through the rules for 2021. We have six rules for 2021 we want to discuss and this is what we want our athletes to think about and we want you to think about as well to help you have a better year. And rule number one is, and we spoke about this at the end of last year, um, but I know there's some some part of this mindset that you really want to get through for 2021 and um, rule one is be prepared to be adaptive. But what's the mindset that you want to come from this? Well, in March last year when the whole world kind of came to a grinding halt, we did do a couple of podcasts about you have two choices. Um, Lots of things will disappear in front of your eyes, such as events, races, um, the ability to train properly, um, and the confusion of, of a worldwide pandemic. Um, and you had two choices, whether you wanted to stay the course or just abandon it and just try and concentrate on survival um, without, without worrying about um, fitness and, and, and health. So, so at the end of that, we had people who really stayed the course and came out of it in such a great, better position. Uh, and those who didn't, who were who are really behind the eight ball as, as a level of fitness compared to what they had been at before. So the two distinct groups of people. So, so now that the virus is still hanging around, there is still the opportunity for races to, to become available, and they are becoming available, but they could change again. And, and we've already learned the lesson once. Mm. Can we not make the same mistake for those who did choose plan B, which was there's no races, so why should I train? 
um, as compared to plan A, well, um, I have the right mindset. Um, I want to stay healthy and fit. You know, we're just talking about heart rate for, mm. for an example. Why would you want to stay healthy and fit? Well, there's thousands of reasons mm. as compared to losing the plot and letting it all go. A- apart from the fact that how hard is it to get it back? <laughs> mm. You know, anybody who's done pre-season training uh, will attest to the question they have in their brain is, why did I not do something in the interim? Um, so, so being adaptive and being prepared to change tack instantly um, is is a rule that I want I want people to have in their minds. Um, things could change at any minute, and if you're not making the most of of what you're doing at the moment, um, then you you might not have an opportunity. Uh, we might have a five k radius again. Who would know? I mean, England and America, you know. They're pretty much shut down again. Mm. Or oh, America's not even bothering, but yeah. uh, but England's trying. Yeah, and and they've gone back to you know it's January and and we said in March, oh you know everything will be back to normal in November December. Well, back to normal. No, you know the whole of UK is shut down in January. And that they're talking now we could be okay by December of two thousand twenty-one. Mm. That's a whole another year mm. of of so so. While we can, make the most of the opportunities but be adaptive and yeah. be prepared to adjust and change the goalposts. Perfect. Leading us into point number two, which is in, with your ability to react the way you want, control the controllables. Yeah, and and I think it, it comes back to the mindset again. We we can think about things in any way we like and and that will determine what we do. If we have a poor outlook, our performances or our, our daily journey will reflect that. But if we're trying to set standards and set um, a plan in place, our daily routine will reflect that as well. You know, you choose the pathway. We, we've talked about this so much. You're in charge. Your mental approach has such an important influence on everything that happens in day by day, hour by hour of your journey through life. So, you know, no one's forcing you to do anything each day and you can do nothing each day if you, if you particularly choose to and there's people who, who choose that route or there's people who are extreme and, and try to fit, you know, a whole year into one day. Um, so controlling the controllables is more about well, what have I got control over here? I've got mm. control over the, the activities that I want to do, the amount of time I spend reading uh, in the garden, working on a project, um, training, um, if it's holiday mode, relaxing. Um, there's so many choices you have that you can control. And then there's the things that you can't control, like the weather. You have no control over the weather. The, the state of the coronavirus, you have no control over that. Whether the race you're planning to do is on or off, you have no control over that. So don't worry about those things. Just keep concentrating on your journey, the day-by-day, step-by-step um, things that you have a, a decision you can make. I'm going to train today. I'm going to rest today. I'm going to eat well today. I'm going to get good sleep. I'm going to get good recovery. I'm going to do some reading you know, you have control over all those things. Mm. You make those decisions um, and they're the things you should be focusing on. 
not spending your day, oh, what happens if there's no race and talking about it with other people and mm-hmm. and just harping on the negatives. Just just try to get that focused mindset the other way. And, boy, what a, re- a more relaxing day you'll have if you know that these is, this is my plan for today and, um, and something might go wrong with one of those plans. Point number one, be adaptable with it <laughs> yeah. and adjust yep. and change. Um, and and you'll you'll have a pleasant a pleasant experience rather than you know the question most people say when they greet each other is hey how you going Jordan it's not really a question you want an answer to and people have got the wrong mindset they'll answer that question not not very well Jordan yeah. um, things are going bad uh, I got stuck at the border I didn't you know I did couldn't yeah uh, all the negative excuses. Mm-hmm. Whereas the person who's in control of their day will go, great, all good, how about you, mm-hmm. you know? Um, if you want to start talking about the negatives, you're already in the m- wrong mindset, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a good test for me is if I have to hesitate when someone says to me, how are you going? And I've got to consciously say, yeah, yeah, good, even though I'm not going that well. Um, that's, that's a, you know, it's an interesting one because – I'm already, my mindset is talking about things I can't control, whereas I should be just talking about, yep, got a great day planned, hopefully I can get some training done, um, you know, uh, go out for lunch or whatever, um, you know, meeting some family, uh, gonna, gonna try and read a book, you know, they're the things that you, you're, you're totally in charge with. Yeah, I would, I would challenge that as well, because I really like that mindset of controlling the controllables and, um, yeah, focusing your energy on on the stuff that you can actually change because what happens if you focus all your energy on um, what the government's going to do about, about COVID or um, about the weather, you just, it's just futile. Just, we're wasting energy on something that is going to have no, you can't change anything. Um, but on that same note, you know, there's a fine line between focusing on, uh, on parts of the day that are going to help you um, and um, avoiding things that aren't going well, you know? So we would never want anyone to just say things are great when they're not um, if they're avoiding the problem. You know, you can't just you yeah. can't just put on a happy face and pretend it's all it's all fine. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that. Yeah. I um I read a great article over the new year um by this guy who he actually surveyed a lot of people about how their 2020 was and he had such a wide range of responses from um, best year of their life to worst year of their life and uh, one of the themes that came up was talking about this um, this kind of mindset, controlling the controllables and um, where you decide to put your energy and focus. And he used an example uh, for, for the, the answers he got. He used an example from um, the uh, Nazi camps in Germany in World War II, mm. how um, mm. the people that survived, um, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that um, the optimists actually did the worst. <laughs> Um, because they kept they kept thinking that it'll be fine, it'll be fine, and then when it kept not being fine, um, you're in the worst conditions possible. Mm. In in those Nazi camps, it was you, you could not get anything worse as a human. Um, and yeah, the, the optimists who kept thinking it was all fine um, would crumble because it just it kept every day not being fine, and then they couldn't handle it. Whereas the more realists who um, and the the piece of advice is hope for the best, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Um, did the best because obviously they wanted to get out and survive, um, 
but they were prepared for the worst. They were prepared for the fact that each day was going to be the same and it wasn't going to get better. Um, and that was a more realistic approach. And it was the same thing with the COVID pandemic last year. You saw the people who were um, uh, too optimistic about it and thought, oh, it'll be fine tomorrow, eventually crumbled because it just never came. You know, it was just relentless. Mm. Um, whereas if you um, accepted the fact that it was probably not going to get better anytime soon, you hoped it would. And when it did, it was great. Um, you're not, again, you're not being pessimistic about it. Uh, I found that really powerful to read about and mm. reflect on from last year and realizing with this control the controllable. I think it's a really good point. And uh, I've always said uh, for everything bad that happens to me or you or in the world, there is something good that can come out of it. You've just got to find it. Mm. And it's really hard to find a positive out of a negative. And I, don't, I, don't, I, I really dislike the over-the-top positive person where they're just absolutely talking through their bum about how good things are. And it's fake. You know, I'm not saying that in what I was saying before. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm saying in my mind, um, you know, I don't want to burden this person with my negativity. That's what I'm trying to say. Yep. So it, it instantly sparks in my mind, things aren't that good, are they? When they say, how are you going? Mm. And I go, geez, things aren't that good. Um, but I'm going to say it's okay, mm -hmm. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. But it's really made me think about, geez, I need to actually fix up some of the things that aren't going so well mm -hmm. um, because it's actually worrying me. And it, when that does that, it starts to create stress. Um, and then, you know, that has such an effect on your day-to-day -day living. You can't live with stress day-to-day -day because you will crumble. Yep. Um, but, you know, looking backwards, it's easy in hindsight all the time. There are so many positives that come from bad experiences, but it's hard to find them mm. in the middle of the jungle mm -hmm. when everything's going crazy around you. Mm -hmm. People have lost the, the plot around you. Where's the positive in this that I'm supposed to be finding? But if you, if you just stay calm and, and think about things that, you know, well, the people who actually chose to keep training properly, well, what – they had, they had a science experiment going on in their house for three months mm -hmm. where they just stayed on the indoor trainer if they were cyclists or on the treadmill if they were runners or ran within a 5K radius of their house for one hour a day. You know, they, they only had that opportunity. So because they had small uh, windows of opportunity, they, they took those because that's all they had. Whereas yeah. if you have the whole 24 hours to yourself, you end up missing those opportunities. So, yeah, there's a lot to that. Um, the positive outlook is important, but it has to be real. Mm. And it's important to remember that we are talking about this mostly in a training context. Um, we're, we're talking about in this podcast, it's how to get better as a triathlete and cyclist, but it's funny how it always ends up being a bit more about life in general. Yeah, and because it's reflective, George. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've had many people um, tell me that, you know, if you put the same planning you know, you look at some of the, the best cricketers or tennis players in the world, Djokovic or, you know, his planning and preparation and, and um, uh, attention to detail. When you, when you see Nadal move his drink bottle, <laughs> you know, when he's sitting down um, in between, you know, he's got the right drink at the right time and he's so regimented in his planning. You see people like that, you know, that, that's, that's, that's ex extreme behaviour but – but that's what it means to them to, to, to make sure they're getting the right outcome. So that takes us to point number three, which is uh, goal setting is still extremely important. 
Yeah, and people are probably bored with the fact that we keep pushing goal setting, but um, but I, I do know there are very few people in the world who can sustain a program without actually working towards something and good on them. <laughs> if you can do that, that's, that's really fantastic. And there are people who can and their, their goal might not be a particular event or race, but it's just to remain healthy and fit. And I think they're probably going to be more successful than the people who've got races and goals because mm. they've got, you know, a, an intrinsic uh, understanding of what motivates them. Um, and, you know, I was talking about, you know, my training is, is based around longevity of my health um, due to my, my, my parents, you know, dying. So, so I put races in front of myself um, so that it makes me uh, mm. get out and train because I'm so competitive. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get on the start line uh, underprepared. Mm-hmm. So put a race in front of me, it's going to make me train, which yep. in turn is going to make me stay healthy and fit. Yep. which is the actual primary goal of what I'm doing, not the race. Yeah. Um, and one thing you always remind everyone is that it doesn't have to be an event. And like you just said, an event helps you. Um, but for some people, um, other goals will keep them going. Yeah, yeah. And and you've just got to find the why. Why, why am I getting out of bed again at 5.30? Just remind myself, oh, yeah, it's for that reason. Mm-hmm. So the why is so important. And so rather than saying goal setting, you, you want to sort of change it to – you know, uh, why am I doing it and what do I have to do mm-hmm. to, to get there? Mm-hmm. Um, and once you understand why you're doing it, it's easy to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. It's easy to go training, mm-hmm. get, get the sh- you know, as I always say, the hardest part is putting your socks on. Once you've got your socks on, you're on your way to train. Mm-hmm. Um, so so really the goal setting, it's always there. Um, it's, a, it's a means to an end. It, it helps you motivate yourself because you don't want to be underprepared. It's like having a test – at school, you know, you don't want to get into the exam and you haven't done any study mm-hmm. and and there's no worse feeling than on exam day and you walk in there going, I know nothing, I know mm-hmm. 50% of the course and I'll get 50% of the result. There's no way I want to get on the start line 50% prepared because I'm probably going to spend half the race by myself if I'm in a cycling race yep. or walking if I'm in a triathlon. So rule number four is one goal that you must set, and this is what we think, so goal setting is important as rule number three. Rule number four, one goal that you must set and it needs to be self-improvement, and that comes down to not comparing yourself to others. Yeah, and I think uh, this is a hard one for people because we're such competitive beasts that we're, we're always comparing where we are in our, in our group, uh, in our age group, in our little community group training um, or on Strava or on uh, KOMs, you know, we're always comparing. Um, um, you, should be, you should be doing all of that but with yourself yeah. and using other people as uh, goal-setting targets. I want to I be as fit as, as uh, you know, example in our group, you know, someone who's leading our group, uh, Julian Painter at the moment. I want to be at his level. So, you know… How do I go about that? I've got to I've got to concentrate on my improvement, not just looking at what he's done, um, but you know each day trying to think what can I do to get myself one percent better than I was last week, and then another percent better than I was the next week. You know these are the things that you should be thinking about, and looking back where you've come from, as to where you are now and where you want to go to. That's that's a motivator for me. Looking at data 
about obviously all athletes I, I coach is fantastic, but if I do it to myself, it's such a motivator to me going, well, I know there's some some rides around the Dandenong such as uh, the one in 20 or the wall or Perrins Creek. They're just examples of local hills where where I know what I've done from 2012 to 2020. Strava's got every single ride that I've ever done. So I know what's a top five, top 10, top 20. So they're comparisons of where I've been before and then p- putting myself up against it and, you know, almost pinning a number against yourself. Today I'm going to do a PB effort in the Danny Nongs. I'm going to go to the one in 20, which I did probably four weeks ago. Um, there was happened to be a race, which was a great opportunity to put myself on the line, uh, which I love to test myself, whether it's against others or primarily I just wanted to see where I was compared to what I'd done for the last eight years. And I did my third fastest time in eight years. Mm. Um, and I hadn't done that time for four years. Mm-hmm. So it's a great feeling that, oh, far out. I'm I'm at a level that's, that's uh, you know, in the top couple of percent of the 250 rides that I've done on the 1 in 20. Being really aware of where you've come from. Being really aware of where you come from and where you're at now and in between what's happened. And it's funny that it's one of the most common things you have to do as a coach is to remind people where they've come from. It's probably a part you didn't expect to do as a coach, but you're constantly reminding people from where they've come from because in the last two FTP tests, they might have gone up one watt and sometimes people are disappointed and they call you and you say, you were, you were 60 watts lower six months ago, you know? Yeah. Of course, you're going to slow down at some point, but know where you've come from and um, always remember that so that you can, you don't know, get caught up in just the the now and exactly what's happening now. Yep. And on that point, um, I can see people in the bunch improving if I'm riding with them or if I can see uh, someone who's just in their bunch ride and they can see that, you know, previous six months they've got dropped in this particular bunch, you know, and now they're keeping up. Well, that's that's a definite example of, you know, the, the bunch generally doesn't get any slower or faster. It generally stays the same. That's the problem with bunch mm-hmm. riding. Mm-hmm. Um, but for you in the bunch, you know, if you're moving up the bunch and, and being able to hang on, that, that's, that's self-improvement. So mm-hmm. the goal of self-improvement, comparing yourself with others, is not what we're trying to push here, but comparing yourself with yourself in that bunch ride. Where was I before? Where am I now? Sure, there's people still smashing you in the bunch ride. Yeah. And that's the thing that I want people to stop focusing on is, oh, you know, I'm still I'm still not the best in that bunch. Well, you know, you'll never be the best in that bunch. You've just got to try and improve till you get to a point where it might take seven years before you – you know, I had an example of one of the guys who goes on holidays up to Port, Port Stephens and, you know, when he first joined us, he was at the back of that bunch – now he, he's too good for that bunch in two years. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, how, how the mindset of that has changed for him. Um, you know, he needs to move to a bunch that's harder or do harder mm-hmm. efforts uh, in that bunch somehow to, to get the most out of that ride. But, it's, you know, it's, it's an example of someone saying, oh, I don't think I'm, I'm improving that much, but look where you were. So it's always good to, to – um, look back and then to look forwards. Yeah, to summarise, it's, I mean, focusing on self-improvement, you'll end up um, being better and compared to everyone else everywhere anyway. But if you're just focusing on yourself, you don't need to worry about that comparison because that comparison will um, cause you more stress more often. Yes, and I do have examples of people who have improved out of sight in the bunch and the first thing they say when I contact them is, how'd you go with the bunch today? Oh, they still smash me. But I didn't get dropped today. Mm. That's not what they're saying. Mm. I'm saying, did you get dropped? No, I didn't. 
But they've thought about it wrong. That's an improvement. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that's an improvement. Yeah. Good. Rule number five is uh, get the basics right. So in a perfect world, we want to do the one percenters. We want to do the extras. We've spoken about this, but I think you really want to put the focus on people to make sure you're getting the fundamentals right first. Yeah, and I'm, I've always encouraged people to do the one percenters. And we've had a whole podcast on one percenters, and they are so important. And you yourself have even used the example of in your running program, I can't actually do my running program properly unless I concentrate on my um, structural core training so that I can run with no possibility of pain or injury. So getting the basics right, if that's part of your routine for the week, you need to not miss that one percenter. But what I'm also trying to get the message across is don't do all the one percenters and miss the basic program. So, oh yeah, I did my strength, I did my stretching, I did my foam massage, but I only did three out of the eight sessions. But I've got all the one percenters in. So you've missed the point there. You need to do the basic program first and then add the one percenters. And in your case, as, a, as an extreme outlier, you can't run without doing that one percenter. So you need to ha- – that's part of your program. Mm. So, so I'm finding people are not able to do, you know, the basic program and then trying to add other stuff in. Let's just get the basics right first. And then once you've got that under control for 28 days, becomes a habit, then – the body can adapt and adjust to the next the next thing that you want to throw at it, which is, you know, three days a week doing some strength and conditioning, you know, f- foam rolling each each day after each effort. You know, they're all things that are important. Um, but but if you're going to do half the program, but you've you've nailed the one percenters, you're not actually going to be better off. You're you're you're, you're going to actually go backwards. So. Don't do the one percenters at at the expense of the program is what I'm trying to say. So get the basics right first, then add the other stuff. Because you can start to overwhelm yourself and uh, make it too complicated and and then it just feels like you've got too much to do and then you don't do anything when really you just need to get the basics right first and the other stuff can come. Yeah, and we've said so many times, you know, if I've only got uh, 40 minutes and your program says an hour and 15, do a five-minute warm-up a 40-minute hard effort and get off the bike with no warm-down rather than saying, I can't do an hour 15, I'm not going to do it at all. Mm. You know, that's an example of someone who's not understood about getting the basics right. You you can find 20 minutes to do something. There is no excuse. You know, you're going to waste 20 minutes getting ready for bed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, go to bed 20 minutes later and do 20 minutes of some sort of activity. There is no excuse in we're awake for probably – 12 to 14 hours a day, so 20 minutes out of that time from from start to finish, there's got to be a time where you can fit in something. It's going to be be more beneficial for you anyway. You'll be better functioning throughout the day if you can actually do some release activity because you go away from the desk and go back to the desk refreshed. There's so much evidence telling us that that's the fact. Yep, yep. That takes us to ties in with rule number six, which is you're really big on this, and I think you really want to get this message across to people: is be more balanced. Yep, and oh boy, you know the Christmas experience is the extreme example, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the overeating, yeah. um, the indulge, the extreme indulgence, which is 
terrific as long as it's not going to happen for two or three weeks during that period because you're just going to undo everything you've done the whole year. You've gone into Christmas weighing 80 kilo and you come out of Christmas weighing 84. Very disappointing because you've worked the whole year to get from 84 to 80 Mm -hmm. and then within the space of three or four weeks, you just let yourself go again. So, So have fun at Christmas. We've always said that. Have fun at New Year. Have fun on your holidays. But don't forget to get the balance right. You know, have a beer or two, have a wine or two. It's fine. I'm not saying for, for people to, to abstain, you know, but you don't have to have 50 <laughs> or five, you know, just have one or two um, and make sure you're doing it in conjunction with some activity and you're not overeating. So the balance is just not in terms of nutrition. It's in terms of your program that you're just not saying, okay, I, I'm going to do 20 hours of training in the next week, seven days. You know, and, and the Rafa 500 is one of those things that really frustrates me um, because it's a competition to see who can ride the most kilometres in five days. So you're meant to ride 500k in five days. But I think the record something like 3,500k in five days, which is just you're spending pretty much five days mm-hmm. of eight to ten hours on the, on the bike each day, which I just think is a really dangerous thing to do. Um, so extreme it is too extreme Um, and you know you want to avoid that that extremeness so the balance thing is is you know we we say all last year you know if you're going to be extreme guess what it's unsustainable and you'll fail it's especially prevalent uh with new year's resolutions isn't it where we set extreme new year's resolutions and it just sets up the year wrong when you should be aiming for more balance yeah um i i just i love the the fact that people have stopped and thought about I want to change something in my life that's a really positive step but don't go to the extreme you know change something that that's worrying you um but set it set it up so that it's manageable and don't set yourself up for failure uh because that's actually worse yeah yeah you might as well not have had a new year's resolution and kept going with what you were doing yeah because you're actually going to have a really negative outcome yeah when you say I'm I'm not gonna um I'm just gonna cut out you know, all this junk food for the entire year or, you know, it's just not moderation. You're probably you're most likely going to eat something, some sort of junk food for the year. So have a more moderate goal. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you can set rules in that. You can, you know, call it what you like. Okay, every 13, 13th day I'm going to have a cheat day where I'm allowed to eat whatever I like and drink whatever I like. And that's my rule. So subconsciously... You're creating an opportunity for you to have an outlet and therefore you don't need to to muck up the other 12 days and you can live nice, balanced, healthy lifestyle and have an extreme day one day. And I don't mean extreme as, you know, to eat and drink yourself silly, but just to, to, you know, it's great to form a habit and we know that, you know, 21, 28 days of consistency creates a habit. Um, and, and, you know, once you've done that, then it's okay to, to be relaxed and 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 enjoy enjoy the moments that are important. Um, and it doesn't have to have al- moments of enjoyment doesn't have to have alcohol in it. But if that's what you do and you like to do, then it should have alcohol in it. Um, you know, enjoying a moment doesn't you, you don't have to over overindulge in eating. But if that's what you like to do and something you've stopped yourself from doing, then enjoy that that day. That would be that's an example of having balance, um, where you know. You're just not making it where you're going to fail. Yep. Yep. 
that's a good way to finish off. And we actually had a bonus rule. Um, so we said six rules, but there's actually a seventh. Um, and this really ties in with almost everything we've said, but especially that last point of, you know, if this is something that you like doing, do it. So this rule is uh, don't do things that you don't want to do this year. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that I've really come to understand a little bit more. It's one of the things I've learnt and I'm, I love it when I learn something new um, each day or each year and I'm disappointed if I don't learn something when I wake up every day. Um, as you know, um, the stuff I'm learning from the younger generation in terms of technology, it's brilliant. I, I, if I learn something more about how to do a spreadsheet better, it's, it's a win. But, but certainly what we're talking about here is if – if you've selected something that you're not enjoying, you won't be successful at it. So my advice is to not do it. So don't just go through the motions. You must have a passion for what you're selecting to do. And I'm talking about if you want to do a coached program towards an event and you are passionate about it, you will do well. You will have the right program. You'll have the right balance. You'll have the, all the help you need to get to that race day. But if you're sitting in a, in a bar or a cafe or a pub and everybody in the group's doing that, I'm using three peaks as an example, just to, to give people an idea of what I'm saying here. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. And you're going in your own mind, uh, I don't know, but everybody's doing it, so I might as well do it as well. And, and you sign up for that. But instantly you haven't got the passion or the desire really. You're just doing it for the wrong reason. The why is wrong. The why is because everybody else is doing it. That's not a reason. You've got to have your own motivation. So if you're doing it for the wrong, the wrong why, you will instantly fail. It will become a chore and you'll hate it and pretty much you'll give up and you possibly won't go back to, to doing the sport that you actually enjoyed, whether it's cycling or triathlon or or swimming or running, it doesn't matter. You, if it becomes the minute it becomes a chore, there's a difference between training hard and training with a chore. You know, I know, geez, this session's hard, but I know why because it's going to get me on the journey of improvement to my race day. But geez, I hate doing this session. It's not even that hard. I hate doing it. That's a chore, mm. and I shouldn't be doing it. Mm. The minute I start thinking like that, it's over, mm. and I should stop doing what I'm doing and come up with some other plan because you're just going to be a misery to yourself and everybody around you. I think athletes are often shocked when they call you, and um, this has happened a lot uh, over the years, where they don't want to tell you know, Coach Jared that they're not, they're not motivated anymore, they don't want to do the race. And your first response, I think, shocks a lot of athletes, where you say, pull out, don't do it. You're always the first one to say, yeah. absolutely don't do it. You know, if your heart's not in it, and you, know, you really want to let people know that that's okay if you've – you don't have to go through with an event just because you picked it three or four months ago. If your heart's not in it, if you decide that you don't want to do it, that's okay. I mean, you don't want to pull out for the wrong reasons either. But Yeah, and you don't want to be a person who's continually picking a goal and pulling mm. out. Mm. You don't want to set that precedence. And, you, you know, if you're a family man, you've got kids and you've picked a goal and the kids see you pick a goal and then they see you start training and they, they see your uh, planning and it's a real good example for kids to watch their parents pick a goal and it's not it's not to win it's it's to 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 go through the process and and to achieve uh, uh, something that you've set yourself and you know it, to see you do that and then pull out it it gives a wrong precedence to to your own mindset because you're forever going to have that 
that easy option. If I don't want to do it, I'll just pull out. Mm-hmm. And especially if you see if your kids are watching you, it's just really, you know. So think carefully about what you set yourself. Is what I would rather than getting into that situation. Don't put yourself in that situation to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, be man enough or woman enough to say at the table when you're discussing it. I'd love to do that, but I, there's no way that is that's a twelve hour event. I'm, I'm not ready for that. Mm. Maybe in another year mm. I could do that. Mm. Um, but you know, do you understand what peaks is? It's four and a half thousand meters of climbing. Has anybody done fifteen hundred meters of climbing in their training in the last year? Yeah. You know, you've got to you've got to understand the magnitude of the event you've selected. Um, so it is okay to to change and pull out and. Be adaptive, which is what we said in point number one. Yeah. Um, and it, you're, you know, it is big of you to, to be able to see that it's not working, but don't just pull out and do nothing. Pull out and change your goal. Yeah. You something know? you're more motivated for. Yeah, yeah. Something that you can achieve. It's less, you know, what's the word? It's the standard is so high as an Ironman selection or a Peaks selection. Those two choices. They're not something you can talk about at the bar. It's something you need to discuss with the people who you're living with, you know, your family, your wife, if you have your girlfriend. Your coach. Yeah. Your coach. They're just so big an event that it, it's just not one of those things that, you know, you can just off the cuff say, yeah, I'm doing that. You know, do a 10K run. That's kind of more in perspective yeah. of or a, or a 100K ride, mm-hmm. you know, around the bays probably – you know, and there's so many choices there. You can do 100K, 150, 200, 250. So events like that where it's not it's not between 10 and 14 hours like an Ironman possibly is or a three-peaks bike race. So they're the things that I think uh, you just just need to understand that, you know, if you if you lose the desire, um, then, then it's not worth doing it. You need to not do it. The statement itself sounds a little bit negative, but I think it's a really positive positive rule don't do things you don't want to do this year i think that can really takes weight off um people's shoulders when they hear that they go wow i don't have to do things just for the just because i feel like i have to or because of external pressure if we've anything we've learned from last year is you know you never know what's going to happen next and we don't we literally it's just so in our face now we actually don't know what's whereas before we thought we knew (laughs) how the world was going Mm. and so don't spend your time doing stuff that you don't enjoy yeah so if you're not have the passion or enjoyment, don't waste your time doing that. Yep. Find something that you're really going to get into and love because guess what? If you've got passion for it and you love doing it, you will be successful. That's a great way to finish. And I think if, you know, listening to all these rules, uh, my own personal rule would be for the year, uh, things aren't black and white. And so with every rule you say, there's a caveat both ways. You know, this is a rule, but it's not just this. It's also a bit of this. And I think that's, uh, we do get caught up in, in trying to find answers to things and going, um, well, Jared says it's this way, but as always, it's not just that. There's, there's a whole other side. There's, there's two sides of every coin. And so for me, when I'm listening to all these principles and rules, um, that really applies because you can't just blindly go for one side you need to know both sides so true and i'm forever saying you know um things don't happen just because of one reason there's always probably five reasons i can give you the example it's always good to give an example of what we're saying changed bikes all of a sudden my back's starting to hurt is it because i've stopped doing some core work is it because the bike position is slightly different i changed shoes the cleats 
it could be one of those five reasons, but I'm not sure what it is, but it's certainly frustrating me in the position I'm in. My back's sore now than it's been. So, so it's not just one thing all the time. There is, you've got to get to the bottom of what is, it could be, it could be a little bit of all of those things. Um, and, you know, it's not a good idea to change shoes and cleat position and bike at the same time. Um, and you need to really take notice of the position you were in on your previous bike, um, which is a mistake. And to stop doing your core. So. That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good. That's a good way to finish off the first podcast of the year. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we've got some awesome guests lined up for 2021, so we can't wait for you to hear our future podcasts. That's it for today. So we'll see you next time. Ooh.